Welcome to a concerning episode of the Just a Giants Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Victor Perez, recording episode 50 on February the 1st, 2022. That's right, folks. We're celebrating 50 episodes with a lawsuit. The Giants, the Broncos, the Dolphins, the rest of the league, the league itself, they're being sued. They got hit with a, uh, they got served with a class action uh, complaint today. And that's that's the entirety of the show today. I've seen a lot of speculating snippets here and there, but I figured I, I'm going to go through the complaint. I've read the whole thing, go through it in depth uh, without reading it ver- verbatim in its entirety. It's a 58-page document. But I figured I'd read through it, uh, pull out what I understand to be the complaint, the we're, you know, we're going to talk about uh, uh, what's called out uh, as a uh, action to remedy the situation, what, you know, Flores and his class action lawsuit team, what they're looking for uh, in terms of uh, remediance. Uh, and really, there's a detailed timeline uh, involved in this, uh, what it means for the Giants, what it means for the league, when to expect this to be, you know, at best wrapped up. Uh, what to expect from everybody involved. It's going to be a very in-depth episode, so tighten your butt cheeks, I guess. <laughs> so like I said, I've I've read through the class action complaint. Uh, I'll put a link in the uh, episode description if you want to read it, uh, if you want to read it yourself. And while it's a lot, it's unfortunately also nothing new. Let's Let's establish this first. Like the Giants are being sued, but the lawsuit isn't against is it's not really, in my opinion, about the Giants. Uh, the complaint specifically says Brian Flores, class representative, yada yada yada, versus the NFL, the New York Football Giants, Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and John Doe teams one through twenty nine. It lists the other twenty nine teams uh, further into the complaint. Flores is suing the league and every NFL team, beginning, middle, and end. While the Giants, Dolphins, and Broncos are all named because they are, according to Flores, the teams that have allegedly wronged Flores directly and recently, the complaint itself talks extensively about how the NFL and its teams have repeatedly met the minimum uh, necessary to comply with the Rooney Rule. Uh, it, It details exactly what the league, how the league has been ignorant and and non-conducive to, uh, uh, towards the plight of, of, if you will, of black coaches and, and executives. The site complains several statistics, several real statistics, not just things being pulled out of nowhere. It's a very well-cited complaint um, illustrating this. Only one of the NFL's 32 teams, that's 3%, employs a black head coach. Uh, Only four of the NFL's 32 teams, that's 12%, employ a black offensive coordinator. Only 11 of the NFL's 32 teams, that's 34%, employ a black defensive coordinator. Only eight employ a black special teams coordinator. Only three employ a black quarterback coach. Only six employ a black GM. 70% of the players, though, are black. 
And that's how teams make their money is is on the the physical specimens that they love to stuff their roster with, but won't give uh, you know significant uh, positions of management and and coaching, really even even uh, ownership. There are no black owners, majority owners. The complaint uses direct quotations to from two uh, league executives, and that's Executive uh, Vice President of Football Operations Troy Vincent and Senior Vice President and Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer Jonathan Bean to illustrate that the NFL knows of the problem and still, ad- and admittedly still has not done enough to fix it. It also uses the NFL's admission of race-norming players who are being evaluated for, TB, for traumatic brain injury settlements as an example of this. Uh, the complaint, it's, it's, it's damning self-acknowledgement, essentially. Uh, the complaint then goes on to summarize that, what the Rooney Rule is before getting into the specific complaints against the Dolphins, Giants, and Broncos. It's specifically, it alleges that the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, attempted to bribe Flores $100,000 per loss during the 2019 season. So that would have been a maximum of 100, I'm sorry, $1.6 million if, if they went winless that year. And was, quote-unquote, mad that Miami won games and compromised the team's draft position. And that last bit, compromised the team's draft position, is a direct quote. Uh, it also alleges that Ross that Ross pushed Flores to break tampering rules for a quote prominent quarterback at the end of the at the end of 2019, and at one point in winter of 2020, it says specifically winter of 2020, tried to set up a meeting with said quarterback on Ross's yacht. Flores, after being made aware of this impromptu meeting, uh, so-called impromptu meeting, uh, walked out before the quarterback arrived. Uh, and just a quick note, I know that, that, at least for me anyway, that, that timing was a little weird because when I hear winter 2020, I'm thinking December 2020. Um, I wasn't really sure if the time frame was supposed to be winter starting in 2020, which would have been December 21st through March 20th of 2021, or if it actually means the winter of 2019, because technically if you're saying winter of this year, it's starting at the end of the year. Um, but I'm thinking it's that latter one. Uh, it really, for two obvious reasons, right? Tua wasn't drafted until April 4th, 2020. So why would, and that was Ross's guy, mandated pick. Uh, so why would he be looking for a free agent quarterback that was prominent after Tua got drafted? You know, uh, it, it would make sense that Ross would have tried to take a prominent free agent quarterback prior to this. And two, uh, the only real prominent quarterback that I think Ross would have tried to use, and I think it's obvious, uh, would have tried to use Flores to entice is Tom Brady. You know, and he was in Florida at that time, meeting with the Bucks, and eventually finalizing his deal with the Bucks. He signed with the Bucks on uh, March twentieth. So you know, you can try and say, oh well, maybe it was you know somebody else, but really the only other prominent quarterbacks. The most prominent quarterbacks were from that year, and they were, what, Rivers, Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton, and Jameis Winston, none of whom have any real connection to Flores. So it wouldn't have made sense for, you know, Ross to be like, oh, you know, try to set up Flores to entice somebody. Um, Anyway, 
The complaint implies but doesn't directly accuse Ross and the Dolphins of painting Flores as, quote, non-compliant and difficult to work with, end quote, throughout uh, the league before firing him. The Giants are specifically named in this complaint because of how things went down the last few weeks with the hiring of Brian Dable and an accidental text message he received from Bill Belichick congratulating the wrong Brian before Flores had his first interview. Uh, I'll circle back to this. Uh, but let's talk about the Broncos, right? Because to me, that's, that's one of the most damning ones. It's not the tanking allegations. It's not the racism allegations. It's, it's this one, almost, by, by like a hair. So the Broncos are named in this complaint for their messy, at best, interview with Flores back in 2019 when it alleges that John Elway and Joe Ellis showed up an hour late and disheveled from drinking heavy the night before, implying that they were hungover. Um, and it, and quote, it was clear from the substance of the interview that Mr. Flores was interviewed only because of the Rooney rule, and that the Broncos never had any intention to consider him as a legitimate candidate for the job, end quote. That is exactly what it says in the complaint. And if you look at Pro Football, like I did, Pro Football Network's uh, 2019 head coaching tracker, Flores was the last coach interviewed for that job. He was also the only minority candidate. And Fangio got hired less than a week later. Kind of damning. The complaint notes that Flores is looking for five things to happen to remedy the situation. First, the NFL needs to create it needs to increase the influence of black individuals in hiring termination decisions for GM and coaching positions by both creating a committee of black investors who want to take minority ownership stakes in the NFL teams and allow black players and coaches to participate in the interview process. Two, the NFL needs to increase objectivity in these decisions by requiring teams to put their subjective reasoning in writing, i.e., why did you did you trust this person more? Uh, did you was your reasoning because of their personality? Explain that, you know. Uh, interview performance. What about the interview was good or bad, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And also to require the use of side by side comparisons of objective criteria like past performance, experience, objective qualifications, those sorts of things, measurables. What measurables factored into your decision, and why were those picked over? Uh, or actually to use those primarily as as your reasoning for for hiring a coach. Third point is increase the number of black offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators in the league by creating and funding a training program for lower level lower level black coaches who want to become coordinators. Four, I actually can't believe that that's not a part of it already. Um, Four, incentivize the hiring and retention, specifically, and retention of black GMs and coaches via monetary means, uh, bonuses to the teams, extra payout from, you know, from profit sharing, uh, additional cap space, and or draft picks. And number five, complete transparency about how GMs and coaches are paid. The rest of the 58-page complaint, and yes, it is 58 freaking pages goes on to detail the league's really really just absolute horrendous history uh, history of and ongoing problems 
with its treatment of black players, black coaches, and black executives. I mean, it specifically recaps the issues with Colin Kaepernick getting blackballed, John Gruden, that whole Shabbats, uh, the concussion settlements. If you guys haven't, uh, the concussion settlements and race norming uh, factoring into those settlements. I Seriously, if you have not um, looked into that, how horrific that is. I think it's the Giant Insider had an interview with one of the guys who was leading the charge on that the first go around, and then they realized exactly what was wrong, brought it up to the league. I think the league buried it at that point or tried to look past it. And then, you know, one of the guys heavily involved with with the settlements and how those were calculated and what went wrong where with, with, you know, neurologists and stuff like that, all that stuff. There's a fantastic interview. I'm like fairly certain it's the Giant Insider, uh, and I think it's from this past summer. If I find it, I'll tweet it out. Um, anyway, uh, I forgot where I left off. Oh, uh, race norming, the blatant pandering, you know, two years ago, which it's fine to be about a to be about a cause, but you are really just pandering to cover your ass. Uh, they list that. You know, uh, and really the aforementioned lack of black coaches, GMs, and owners. It also details public incidents of black coaches not getting a fair shake. The complaint specifically cites the shit with Flores, the Broncos, the Dolphins, and Giants. Um, uh, the whole Shabbats with Steve Mariucci being from the get-go, the guy that they were gonna, that the Lions were gonna hire in 03. Jim Caldwell and his whole thing with the Colts and, and the Lions. Um, not Steve Caldwell, uh, Steve Wilkes uh, getting screwed in Arizona, Dave Culley getting screwed in Houston, Chris Richard, Terrell Austin, Eric Bieniemy, all essentially getting blackballed from any head coaching jobs. Like, it's, it's a long, detailed history of just, like, the shit that has been kind of looked past in the NFL that we all know has happened, that we all acknowledge is a reality, but everyone kind of just moves on. Because no one's outraged, and no one has sued. <laughs> At least not that it's been publicly made available. So why sue now? Why Flores, and why the Giants? Uh, specifically, cases like this, the last culprit is no, n- almost never the main reason or target of the lawsuit, like, it's not the ultimate goal, like, yes, that, that is a, a, a big goal, is to right a wrong that has been made, but what I mean by that is, if you look at pretty much any, like, civil rights cases that gets brought to the Supreme Court, right, although the case at hand is what's being ruled on, it is a wrong that, you know, someone is seeking to be righted, for lack of a better phrasing, um, it's usually about something larger, Voting rights, abortion laws, segregation, desegregation. They're, they're all about the larger issue. And what usually happens uh, is a interest group uh, will continue over time to compile information for a case, you know, uh, all these examples of, of voting rights violations, right? Let's use that. They'll compile that until there is a, until the right person gets wronged. Again, for lack of a better phrase, 
they'll typically wait for an instance where someone has just been so unabashedly and completely violated that there's no way that it's going to get tossed out. There's no way that it's going to get ruled on on the lower court. It's going to be so hot and just uh, radioactive that every court is going to be is going to pass it up the chain to a higher court until it eventually reaches the Supreme Court, who pretty much at that point has to hear it, and then it gets ruled on and it brings real legal change. That's that's what happens here. Um, the amount of detail in this complaint, this fifty-eight page complaint, like, uh, many complaints are anywhere between like one and five pages. You know, when you're trying to, okay, my client got wronged in this one instance. Um, this is what happened. This is what we're seeking end of story. This is a 58-page complaint with everything that I just said. There's, like, on, on top of how long this has just been an inherent issue that everyone's looked the other way on, it, it makes me think that this this that's the case here. This is what's going on, you know? This isn't Brian Flores got wrong last week, decided he was going to sue, and they put this together quickly in a a Word document and then filed the complaint. Like, no, this has been in the works for years now. Uh, If you're only interested in how screwed the Giants are, you'll, you'll, however, you'll want to cut through to the meat of the complaint regarding the Giants anyway uh, at the end of page 36. That's where it's like, all right, here's the bullshit with the Giants. Um, And this is a Giants podcast, so that's where we're going to go next, right? Between the complaint and pro... So referencing the complaint and Pro Football Network's head coaching tracker from this year, here's what I understand to be the important bits of timeline. So January 11th, Joe Judge, he's fired. And according to the complaint, Tim McDonald, the owner's nephew, John Mara's nephew, Let's Flores know that day via text and a phone call that John Mayer is interested in bringing him in as a candidate. January 18th, Joe Schoen has his second interview with the Giants. He hadn't been interviewed prior. Prior to Judge's firing, he hadn't been interviewed. But the next important date is January 18th, Schoen has a second interview with the Giants. And according to the complaint, John Mara and Flores talk again informally but on, on Zoom about his candidacy. January 21st, Joe Schoen, I'm sorry, I keep mispronouncing his name, it's Joe Shane. Joe Shane is hired, and Brian Dayball uh, gets interviewed for the first time, same day. Uh, January 22nd, Joe Shane is formally announced as the next GM for the Giants, and Leslie Frazier, the, the Bills defensive coordinator, is interviewed for the first time. The next day on the 23rd, Lou uh, Anarumo, who's the Bengals defensive coordinator, uh, and I think former Giants defensive backs coach, he gets interviewed by the Giants. Tim McDonald that day, that same day, allegedly tells Flores that he hopes Flores will, quote, come in and win the effing job, end quote. That is That quote is from the complaint. It's not from a news story. It's from the, the complaint. It says that itself. The 24th, uh, according to the complaint, Shane finalizes Flores' interview for the 27th, but later that day at about 2.30, Bill Belichick accidentally sends a congratulations to the wrong Brian. He sends it to Flores instead of uh, Dale um, on landing the Giants head coaching job. Belichick says he hears from the Giants and the Bills that, quote, you are their guy, end quote, before Flores makes it clear he accidentally texted Flores and not Dable. 
from the 25th and the 26th, you get the second interview with Dable, first interview with Graham occurs. Uh, the 27th, Flores' interview with the Giants and dinner with Joe Shane. So an in-person interview, that's the implication, and an in-person dinner slash interview with the GM. And then finally on the 28th, Frazier's second interview with the Giants. That ends later that day. Dable is hired as head coach. So how do we, what do we do with all that information? All right, we're moving quick. Uh, what do we do with all, all that information? If I was in court, let's say, because the jury trial was demanded uh, by, by the plaintiff, Brian Flores et al. Uh, if I'm representing him, I'd argue it. The way I would argue it is I wouldn't allege that the Giants were never interested in Flores for the job but that they knowingly allowed a white GM, and I'm, I'm using that language, you know, specifically pointing out race because it does that all over the complaint, um, knowingly allowed a white GM to come in and hire a white coach that he was comfortable with instead of a black guy he didn't know. I'd point to the fact that Brian Dable, the preferred coach, was prioritized despite the fact that the team he was with made the playoffs, and he shouldn't have really have been available unless he knew he was getting the job no matter no matter what. I'd also point out that the damning text message from Bill Belichick that was received the same day as Flores' first interview was finalized, um, and that ownership knew Shane had already made up his mind and did nothing to prevent Flores from being really a Rooney Rule compliance interview. I'd also uh, I'd like to point out you guys should remember, there's no direct work relationship between Joe Shane and Belichick. Only a tangential one via Bill Parcells when Shane worked under Parcells in Miami. So it's unlikely that Belichick heard this from Shane directly. So he would have likely gotten it from the owners at the facility. Think about that. He didn't get it, probably most likely did not get it straight from Shane which means if he got it from somebody at the Giants, it's probably ownership who has those existing ties with him. So that means that the Giants knew that Shane had his uh, mind made up, or at least that's the way I would present it uh, if I'm on Flores' team. I'd also anticipate one of the Giants' arguments uh, that the only reason why three black candidates were interviewed in person, I'm guessing uh, Graham was an in-person interview here, because uh, he's at the facility, he works for the Giants, they don't have to worry about COVID or anything like that because they know whether he's tested uh, positive, negative, or has had his vaccinations. Um, that the candidates were interv- interviewed in person was either to give the appearance of doing more than the minimum or because Frazier knew shown personally because Frazier was the last uh, minority candidate to, to be interviewed uh, multiple times. Um and or Frazier was the last minority uh, candidate to have an interview. He had a second interview last, and then and then Dable got hired. Um, and Shane did him a favor, or Shane did him did him a favor by uh, uh, giving him a second interview just to uh, prop him up a bit. Um, finally, I'd also bring up the fact that Flores is more qual- a more qualified candidate, given that he has. I think three years of experience as a head coach. Uh, he's coached all three phases of the game, and that Flores had an overall winning record in Miami despite a substandard roster and constant conflict from the owner and GM. He had success despite adversity, which should have made him a shoe-in for the job, or at least 
more considered for the job than he was. Now, on the other hand, if I'm the Giants, I'm going to argue that Flores actually was the preferred candidate by Giants brass, by ownership, by the Mara family, by the Tisch family, whoever you got a name. I would argue that Flores was the first and preferred candidate there. I'd point to the fact that Flores was contacted by McDonald, again, the owner's nephew, about as first person as you get without saying John Mayer said this to me directly. The same day that Judge was fired, and by Flores' own admission in the, in the complaint, before a GM was in place, they, didn't, they weren't leaving it up to a GM to name Flores. They knew they wanted to look at Flores. He was almost, if not the first person that they contacted hours after Judge got fired. I'd also argue that if uh, the Giants were only interested in complying with the Rooney rule, they would have stopped after they interviewed Flores and Graham in person. Because remember, Flores not only had an interview with ownership, he also had an in-person dinner with Shane. The implication being that the, the first interview, the first part with ownership, was in person. It was in town. So you you already got your minimum compliance. If you were going to do that, you'd stop there. You wouldn't even interview uh, Frazier a second time. And you had already spoken to him. So there's no need to interview him again. I'd present the Belichick texts as a, a misunderstanding. Simple misunderstanding. That... Joe Shane had a candidate in the lead, in his opinion, and not a predetermined candidate. I'd reinforce that with the conversation Flores had with McDonald. The same day as uh, the, the conversation that Flores had with uh, McDonald that same day. I'd present that as uh, that at the time, ownership had one preference, Shane had another. And if anything, it should have occurred to Flores that the information that he got from McDonald the owner's nephew was more reliable than third-hand information from Bill Belichick, who isn't even hasn't been associated with the club in a couple of decades now. Yes, he's an insider. He gets information from, you know, he'd be privy to information from ownership, but it's easier, it's more likely that he might have misunderstood something that he got told than the owner's nephew saying, I want you to come in and win this job the exact same day than misunderstanding what was said directly by John Mara prior to that, that they were interested. Like, I would hammer that home. I'd also hammer home that while Flores is very much a qualified candidate, the Giants feel Dable has the necessary prerequisites to be a successful head coach, um, even if he is a first-time head coach. And at worst, Shane's preference of him over Flores is just really optimistic nepotism, not racism. Yeah, I know the guy. I'm comfortable with the guy. But I do think he has the, the, the necessary skills to be a good head coach. I mean, if I wanted to get dirty, uh, I'd also point out the fact that while he doesn't have experience, Dable's pre-existing familiarity with Shane made up for the lack of experience as an actual head coach that it's more important that you have a working relationship between your head coach and, and your GM than it is having three years of experience. And, and, and because that's the case, I'm not outright saying it, but I'd let the implication that Flores was, quote-unquote, hard to work with 
work its way into a judge or a jury or whoever uh, or arbitrator's head on its own. Let them fill that gap in. You can't you can't really make that implication directly. You can't say that without opening the door to Flores's over you know overall point that he's been blackballed because of his skin color. Finally, I'd also like to point out that Dable has um if again if I'm presenting this from the giant side, uh, I'd like to point out that Dable has unique qualifications that specifically meet the Giants' needs, their current needs. Remember the biggest weakness the Giants have had for this past fucking decade. It has been on offense. They can't put up enough points. And Dable's work with Josh Allen, who, when he came into this league, when he was drafted, was seen as a project by many, if not most, scouts and, and executives. And that that work that he did with Josh Allen was a huge success that he was a major you know, institutional part of. The giant strength on defense, the, the part that you can argue might suffer because it's not Flores, it's Dable, that should be fine because that should be the same as it's been the past two years, which has been good at worst. You know, you got most of the starters coming back and you can, you know, if I, again, I'm working, you know, for the Giants and representing them, I'm going to say, listen, our plan the whole time was to push Graham to stay on as DC. We like Graham. The players love Graham. It's his system. It works. You know, we've got guys on contract for that. We don't want to get rid of people. So we wanted to keep that portion of the same, and we wanted to hire a head coach who could focus on and elevate this offense that on paper should be better than what it is. And that's why we picked Dable over Flores, because he his concentration, his specialty is on that end of the ball. Flores isn't. And not for nothing, but Flores in Miami with Tua, not that great. They won games, but the strength of that team... The way that team looked was similar to the Giants. They just managed to eke out a few wins. Uh, A lot more wins, really. But you get the point. So how does this end? And again, we are moving quick. I thought I'd be on here for like 50 minutes at this point. Um, Well, it's already been announced today that the Broncos are planning to sell the team, which, convenient timing. Uh, and if I'm the league, I'm probably going to push Miami to try to do the same thing. I'm trying going to try and jettison Stephen Ross like quickly. At a minimum, Miami's going to get slapped with a fine or loss of picks for the tanking allegations, for the really serious tanking allegations. Where there's smoke, there's fire, guys. And I'd also make it a priority to have something that meets the guidelines for re- remediation as detailed in the complaint. Like, wh- while I don't think it'll be feasible to have players directly involved in interviews, I think the league might end up being okay with having, like, an NFLPA rep there. Uh, the sale of the Broncos would allow for a black investor to own a team. I don't know. There are very few people who I think would own a team in Denver, but it is the Broncos, and it is a huge cultural part of the NFL. So, and it's, it'd be a good investment. So we'll see. But the league has to do everything they can to ensure that this owner, this minority owner would be a priority buyer, this prospective minority owner. Um, I don't think making it a requirement for teams to explain their decisions in writing is too much to ask for. I think what the NFL is going to try to bargain for uh, is that, you know, I, I mean, it's HR 101, right? You fire somebody, you have to have it, you know, on record why you fired them, why you terminated them. 
you know, and you have to get detailed with it. You can't just write, oh, poor performance, and that's it. Like, you have to cite reasons explaining poor performance. Again, HR 101. It's ass-covering 101. Um, they just need to have teams require that the team submit those documents to the league and that meets some kind of compliance where it's still private, where they only disclose it in some way if there's, like, a grievance filed. But at the same time, it's like, okay, we have a list, and we will review this uh, to make sure it lines up. You know, the league, they'll stamp, put a stamp of approval on whatever. It's fucking John Merrick wipe his ass with it, and you have the shit stain, and it goes to the league like that, and they'll still say, eh, it looks good to me. But they're going to at least try to negotiate that so it gives the appearance of, which unfortunately is the inherent problem here, right? Um, So that there is, yes, some sort of technical... uh, uh, compliance that teams need to make that that keeps things is supposed to keep things transparent and if they fuck up they're on their own but we're also not going to put it out there every single time somebody's fired we're going to put it out there anytime there's lawsuit (laughs) you know what i mean i and i don't think that's too much to ask of the league uh i'm not sure that the last two points uh which is incentivizing teams to retain people with like money or cap or picks um and publicized salaries is going to go over well but at the end of that shit fight, they'll probably honestly just take the first three what they can get, settle with Flores and whoever else signs on to this class action lawsuit and make some huge donation to charity and put a fucking color on, you know, one game this year, um, some, I don't know, they'll they'll do some shit to pander again, which isn't going to fix things, but, you know, it'll it'll get past the hump. And that's where I honestly see it going. Um, in terms of timing, well, league meetings are slated for the end of March. I think it's the 27th through the 30th. Uh, so really, I'd expect this to be concluded sometime around then. They'll hash out. So the next step really is for, I know the league put out some fruity ass, just non-committal, just not really saying much fucking statement earlier. Um the Giants, the Giants put out a statement, but they have to answer uh, the complaint. They have to respond to it. Uh, so they're probably going to put together some document. You know, each team's going to need to do that. The Giants will put together a list of like, this is we we reject these allegations, this complaint. This is what we've done. You know, uh, this is what we present as like evidence that we have stuck to the Rooney rule. We've stuck to the Rooney rule since it's been implemented. We've hired, I'm, I'm not sure if it's true, but more black coordinators and, you know, promoted more black coaches than any other team. You know, we've empowered and we've done this charity and this fucking charity and that fucking charity. And we've never had allegations of racism before. And it'll be a whole thing. Each team is going to try to do that. It is what it is. Expect that. I think the the complaint said 10 days from when it was fi- uh, served. So it would be by February 11th. Those teams, the rest of the NFL and the NFL itself, have to submit something like that. Um, I would expect there to be negotiating and discussions between both legal teams between now and March, which is a really accelerated schedule. Uh, but I would expect that the league would want to try and resolve this during these meetings as opposed to the winter meetings or next year's spring meetings. Uh, get something on the books, get it swept under the rug, put something on paper, hey, we're going to take these initiatives, These, this is our plan of action to address this, we're not going to, quote unquote, we're not going to sweep it under the rug even though they really are. 
um, and then move on with everybody's lives. If now that we've gone through essentially what's in the complaint, right? And I really encourage all of you to read it and formulate your own opinion. Now that we've gone through the reasoning for the complaint, the evidence that Flores and his team, Flores et al. and his team uh, are presenting as like, this is why we say there's a problem, there's been a problem, and this is what we want to remedy the situation. Now that we've gone through so the timeline specifically towards the Giants of what's happened. Now that we've we've gone through what might be the arguments made both on both sides of of the issue of the lawsuit or at least as far again as far as the giants are concerned my opinion on the matter and first and foremost i would say flores is not wrong here a lawsuit like this is long overdue because let's be honest Black coaches, black GMs, they don't get the same fair shake in the NFL that everybody else does. Uh, I'd argue my people, Latinos, where we get a, a more fair shake than they do, even though there's less of us in the league, I think there's less judgment about us, not just the league, but in life, because a lot of us get away with being light-skinned. It, it's, just, it's just how it is. I know some of you are rolling your eyes and you're doing that because of your life experiences or because you hear people crying race all the time and you're getting tired of it and whatnot it's still an issue guys like i'm sorry you know if you disagree but it's still an issue both in life and in the nfl you know what i mean the the fact that there are no black owners is more of a uh uh problem rooted in how money is is has been accrued in this you know, over generations in this this country and also the fact that a lot of these teams were purchased and formed when they were a hell of a lot cheaper um but black folks did not have the same rights as everybody else you know what i mean i think the the newest team is what the the jaguars or the texans you know what i mean and shad khan he's he's he ain't white so that's one for two. And I think the other guy made his money in oil. Where's that Jerry Jones? You get my point. You know what I mean? 30 out of the 32 teams in the NFL, I think predate fucking voting rights. I'd have to check that. A majority of them anyway do anyway. Um, it's So Flores, he's not wrong. I Now, do I think the Giants are fit in that category? I don't think so. Uh, I'm pretty sure the mm, no the black, first black GM was Ozzie Newsom. Uh, the Giants have had black a black GM before. I think it's only one though. I think it was just Jerry Reese. They've had you know uh, minorities all over the coaching staff except for head coach. Like that is a ding against them that they haven't had one as a head coach, even though there have been qualified head coaches. But the Giants also have a specific type not racially, um, so I don't know, it, but that is still a ding against the Giants. This hiring, though, to me, does scream just nepotism. It, it really does. Like, I do buy into that argument that, listen, the ownership liked Flores and liked the idea of Flores and wanted him in here. I, I like Flores. I felt the same way. 
And maybe that's why I, I believe it more. But I buy into that a bit. And then the new GM came in and they weren't going to force the GM's hand to take somebody. They weren't going to force marriage that. They did that with an offensive coordinator the past two years and it fucked up the offense. So, you know, I think their only requirement was to give him a fair shake. I don't think he did, but I think that's more due to nepotism than racism. The Broncos and Miami are fucking screwed, though. Like, you, it is not a good look to show up to any kind of interview, much less hiring a, a head coach hungover. You know what I mean? I don't care what you're celebrating. You don't show up hungover to, to a meeting. I would hope that that meeting was early morning and not midday or afternoon. You know what I mean? And it, it doesn't get much worse than tanking and blackballing allegations for the Dolphins. Like, the allegation is straight up tanking. I'm going to pay you 100 grand for every loss you get this year. I'm going to, I want you to break league rules. And even though people do it anyway, but they, they do it through a third party. He's like, I want you to directly tamper with Tom Brady and get him here in Miami. Like the implication there is almost that like we hired you because we thought this might be a possibility. Like I, I'm surprised that that wasn't because they probably can't prove it, but you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if that was a factor in Steve, you know, Stephen Ross and whoever his best bestie is in the as the GM. I wouldn't have been surprised if that was part of their thinking. Tom Brady's not going to be a, a quarterback for the Patriots this year. Let's try and get him in the division. Let's try and keep him here and let him play for us. Like Stephen Ross, I will be surprised if the if the Dolphins do not forfeit at least a first round pick just on the tanking and tampering allegations alone I really would not be surprised and Tom Brady's retired he's got and and it's it's a former you know division rival he's got no horse in this race he can go ahead and do that he's retired the NFL can try to find him but guess what I I filed my papers guys can't touch me (laughs) you know what I mean I'm sure Bill Belichick feels like an asshole not only because you know he his his text message his his mistaken text message was was the catalyst for for this lawsuit or at least the portion against the giants but he's created this fervor between his former team who I'm sure he still has a love for he still talks to them and you know one of his former coaches like Belichick loves his his coaches there's a reason they all come out there super tight knit and they help each other all the time. It's because that's that's what coaches do. And that's a program where coach those coaches try to help each other as best as possible, or at least for the most part. You know what I mean? So again, is Brian Flores wrong? No. Um, do I think he's using, you know, and purposely kind of like blurring the line? With the Giants allegation to, to as a current catalyst for a larger issue? Yeah. I think he might be. Um, that or his legal team is. You know what I mean? Because there's nothing... If for nothing else, there is nothing... In, un, unless they have something that says, oh, we're not hiring this guy because he's black. I don't trust him. Like Unless they get like a text message from Joe Shane or some kind of email like that. 
um, where, where someone in the Giants, and even then the Giants can insulate themselves by blaming it on Joe Shane and cutting ties with him. You know what I mean? The nuclear button, God forbid. But um, did that, not God forbid that that ends up happening, but God forbid that that actually happened. Um, they can insulate themselves. You know what I mean? So I don't think the Giants are really going to get hit with anything. They might have to pay out of pocket, but the league might cover that and help out and that kind of stuff. So, you know, again, end of day, it's not about the Giants. It's barely about the the Broncos and Miami also. Because all the things that, that Flores and his team put in there as, as ways to remedy the situation has nothing to do with them directly. It has to do with the overarching issue, which is, Black coaches, black GMs, they don't get a fair shake in this league, and the league isn't doing enough. They're doing just enough to say that they did something, but not enough to force real change. Which, by the way, the league has had to be forced to change multiple times over its history. Like, you really should read the document um, and check the citations. Like, has has had to have their arm twisted and their, their dicks yanked to... to f- force real change over its history and that's pretty much it guys uh thank you for your time uh i know this is, the times can be kind of a dry this episode specifically can be really dry at times but i appreciate you guys listening uh if you have any questions comments compliments concerns anything like that go ahead shoot me an email at just giants fan podcast at gmail.com uh follow me on twitter at jagf podcast uh you know you can find this on spotify Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, and 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 of course SoundCloud. Son of a bitch! I don't know why that escaped that for me. It goes up on SoundCloud first. Um, you know, if you enjoy this podcast, tell your mother, your brother, your father, sister, husband, uncle, wife, dog, cat. Uh, you know what? If you got an attorney, if you are an attorney, let me know what you thought of my analysis on this. If you have an attorney friend, ask him to listen to this. You know, what the what arguments would he make? I'd love to hear from you guys lawyer friends like if you guys legal legal somebody knows attorney tom legal legal some other youtube fucking lawyer that wants to weigh in on this i i ask you i beseech you please comment on this let me know how i did dm me shoot me an email at just the at jagf podcast just giants fan podcast at gmail.com appreciate you guys it's a new year new league uh we'll talk soon